0: and welcome to Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. I'm your host Stephen White with me as always my co-host Lacey Finley.
1: Oh well happy Monday.
0: And joining us this week in the Palace of Megapixels is the chief editor of articles for the video game preservation website Gaming Alexandria. As an independent game researcher and historian he has started his own blog site The History of How We Play in 2016 that features numerous stories about video game industry, such a, or such as a much more <laughs> thorough history about the ownership of Periscope, that thing I talked about a couple of weeks back.
1: Right.
0: <clears throat> He's also an advisor on the upcoming documentary *Arcade Dreams*, that will chronicle 100 years of arcade history. Let that sink in for a minute. Oh, Wow! Right. 100 <laughs> How years. How
1: long it's been around.
0: So please welcome Ethan Johnson. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Good welcome to be here. On, yeah. We are so glad to have you here, and on a, on a historic day, mind you, mm-hmm. because, Lace, I, I think I may have shared this with you, and I'm going to share it with everyone now. Okay. Uh, Ethan, I don't know if you know this, but you were on the podcast that is trending very well in <laughs> Slovakia right now. Oh, man. <laughs> you know I don't I, know I, I, where I, we got this, <laughs> <laughs> but I was informed yeah. that we are 95. In Slovakia, yeah.
1: so is that good or bad? I'm not sure. I understand uh, the stats, but I, uh, I don't how either. many out of how many? I hey, guess. my
2: blog actually gets a lot of hits in Russia. Believe See? it. See, so. we're doing something Eastern, right. Eastern Europe is just hungry for this kind of stuff. That's hey,
1: right. hey, you find your audience. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like
2: it's whether like, or not they can understand you.
0: Yeah, we're only hoping that they they get the gist of what we're we're doing here. <laughs>
1: I have more faith other countries learn other languages than we do here, right. so they probably understand us just fine.
0: So to all the Slovakians out there, welcome.
1: Welcome. I didn't know you were here. How many, however many of you made us 95 on the list of how many, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I don't know how long the list is, but...
0: But hey, it's the Apple podcast trending site, so I mean, that's oh. that's big, you know, if you're trending on Apple... In Slovakia. Anyway.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I just... So want you don't. Know, we're not making fun of y'all. Like, no, we're still, not.
0: <laughs> it was just an odd email to get.
1: understand, yeah.
0: There's just some guy named Carlos, which doesn't Maybe. really trend as a Slovakian name, uh, sent me an email saying, Hey, guess what's happening in mm-hmm. Slovakia? And I'm like, what?
1: you trending. <laughs> oh, what? wow. What's happening?
0: Okay. Excellent. Tell me. So, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm okay with it. I if we're trending somewhere, I'm good with it. Welcome on in. Appreciation is appreciated.
1: Exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> so, Ethan, uh, one question we always love to start the show off with, especially with
2: our guest, what have you been playing? Well, I, I tried to uh, get some more gaming in, so I would actually have something to talk about. But, um, <laughs> Fair. Fair. As it, as it was, uh, pretty much all that I was able to play is uh, my friend and I were getting back into Overwatch, and I know everybody's oh. going, you know, the lame dead game and all that, but I, I've always enjoyed it, and we were kind of doing it uh, in anticipation of Overwatch 2, which they right. uh, started to preview and everything, so getting a feel back for the game, and we'll probably play Overwatch 2, uh, and also Diablo 2 Remastered when that comes oh, out, yeah. so bit of that uh and i guess you could say i played some uh seinfeld style real life frogger yesterday <laughs> uh as, well,
1: glad you made it.
2: As <laughs> uh, <you> the <laughs> the Puerto Rican Day celebrations here in Chicago were coming across the street, and I had to go go and get something, so I had to weave across all these cars. There were people doing speed run, like you know, just zooming oh, yeah. across the thing. Uh, as the streets were semi-empty on one side and then completely gridlocked on the other side, so. Uh Yeah, that was, that was an so experience. So one side
1: was a little easier to navigate than the other. It was yeah. just like, once I come out from behind this parked car, it's on. Yep. Let's see. <laughs> oh my! I was stupid and tried to go to the DMV yesterday like that was going to work. So I made the trip out just to tell have them tell me, oh, yeah, it's too long. We stopped taking people. And I'm like, you close in three hours. Okay. <laughs> It was a fun drive, though. It was mm. a nice day out.
0: I mean, at least look at the positive of that, right? <laughs>
1: right? I mean, it was a nice day. I got out of the house. What can you
0: say? It's funny. There's nothing fictional about the, uh, the what? what's the word I'm looking for here?
1: Fictional <clears throat> about the what?
0: The horror of the DMV? Yeah, there you oh! go. There was another oh. word I was looking for, but yeah, that'll work.
1: And then now, you know, make it times a million because nobody's been able to really do anything at the DMV because of, you know, gestures broadly to 2020. So now there's like all of us trying to do it whenever it's open. like, well, this is never going to happen. Oh, well, I think I'm just going to drive out to the burbs. Don't tell anyone my secrets. I think I'm just going to have to go that far just to make sure I can be in and out in a reasonable amount of time.
0: Just sad, but... Do what you got to do, I suppose.
1: I mean, there's a lot of us, and, you know, it's been closed half off and on. (laughs) over I guess
0: (laughs) guess on the flip side, at least you have options. I only have one in my town. That's it. Mm, So you've got to take a gamble.
1: Just depends on how far you want to go. I'm Uh, willing, though. 45-minute drive to not be in a line for three hours? Fine. eh. Fine. (laughs) whatever it takes anyway games Games. that's what we do here
2: <laughs> this isn't the dmv podcast
1: <laughs> there's probably some game out there <laughs> probably I mean, papers I please,
2: please is it. basically the experience of the DMV. Oh god like yes
1: the dmv right
0: Mace, what about you what have you been playing
1: well, uh, I actually do- dove into something a little bit different, a new one. Um, our good friends over at the Abnormals uh, mm-hmm. developing team uh, put out a demo this week for their next game, Frake and Drake. So I played the demo for that. A lot of fun. I'm intrigued by it, and there's no wall puzzle, so Oof. that should be <laughs> nice for a lot of people. And Yaki, don't hate me, but you know we have to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> so it, it it was a it's another it's a point and click. Um, story game this time. Uh, I mean, I guess kind of like how their last one was, too. Um, And you can tell it's going to be a lot more... Their usage of time, man. Their usage Mm -hmm. of time. It was a little bit more interesting because you could tell even on their um, menu screen when you were hovering towards one side, you know, the light and the dark. And then they kind of set it up for the two characters that they end up having to um, share a rented space. And his schedule is day hers is night and so you're just kind of learning the story of this around those two night cycles now the demo is only like a portion of one day so just kind of like um just a nice little amuse-bouche if you will of what you're going to be in the industry they call
2: that the vertical slice there you go
1: It took forever in it. Did. It took me like an hour and a half because I wanted to poke around and see. And of course, I wanted to play again to see. There's a lot locked. So the couple of choices that weren't, I'm like, will it change anything? Because it looks like the meter for this one is how close you can bring Frank and Drake together, mm-hmm. is what it's appearing like. um And then you live it out in a seven day period but you got like half of the first day. I don't know. I recommend going and checking it out. I, it probably wouldn't take you nearly as long to get through the demo. I was just poking through everything because I kind of know how their minds work now. I'm like, where, where could be clues? What's going to happen later? So I'm even doing like the crossword puzzle, which is probably like a throwaway game within the game. But I wanted to finish it. And <laughs> so it took me a long time. But uh, And then I just played Two Point Hospital. Again. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where if you're just going to come into my hospital and die, I'm just going to send you home. You're screwing my numbers. We can't be <laughs> having this. I'm sorry. I'm trying to build more, and you need to give me money, and I cannot build any more of these things if you just keep coming in and dying and taking all of my people away to take care of you on the floor. <laughs>
2: And now you understand the difficulties of the medical profession.
1: Right? I'm telling you. 100% I could be a hospital admin now. No joke. Hands down. Fire you if you don't learn it. (laughs) I had to get brutal. I had to get brutal. There's people dying all over the place. You get tired of hearing that ding, ding, ding every time someone dies. And so when it gets crowded... Oh my God, like I'm losing my mind. So I just pause it and I'll go through the lobby and I'll just send them all home if they're like hurting too bad.
0: Sounds like you need to build another morgue.
1: I don't have the money yet. You guys, I'm trying to build more stuff. I'm trying to get more staff. I just have to wait. You have to use the services here first. But what about you? We talked about how awful of a hospital admin I'd make
0: in the virtual world. Still Assassin's Creed, um, <laughs> reaching again. the uh, 90 hour mark. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Because they yeah. tell you when you save the game. And I was like, 90 hours? I've been playing this for 90 hours. 90 saved hours. 90 saved hours. That's, that's true. true. <laughs> so I'm getting there. Mm. You know, half the map looks kind of clean. Where's the other? half is still there and it's like so if it took me 90 hours to get half of it and that's not even the complete half because i still went to asgard i even went to another world which i feel like they didn't specify maybe if i knew my lore in in assassin's creed just a little bit better Mm. i'm sure there's a a dot connection somewhere but uh, i went to a place they called vinland which there's a lot of history if mm-hmm. you want to get into that. Um, but it's it's America, pretty much. Okay. Newfoundland. And yeah. So yeah. you you run into like a, a tribe of uh natives and mm-hmm. I feel I was curious, I was like, so I wonder if they're kind of like the lineage from uh Connor from part three. Don't know, don't have any I think I there was a there was an artifact, like an orb that Is I Is there found.
1: a through line? I, guess, I don't for characters or
0: I don't I don't know it's so Not loosely yet. connected but you yeah. can kind of maybe possibly look at that. I didn't see anything direct to say absolutely. Ah, that's it. Except for maybe the orb at the end that I found like when I was there
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it was like, "Oh, there's an orb and oh, there's a big door and this is part of the whole Templar plot." And I was thinking maybe i don't remember i don't remember the game all that (laughs) right off the top of my head they got
2: rid of that overarching story pretty much like it's it's still it's still there technically but like the idea that you're going back through this guy's ancestry and whatnot they just stopped caring about that after (laughs) like uh, assassin's creed 3
1: okay then that would make sense because i was going to say like four seemed to be the one that deviated the most Mm-hmm. What we got was that's the one with pirates right that yeah. was yeah. black flag right yeah yeah
0: still even if it was like a loose thread it was kind of neat because it like okay this is it's it a wasn't a big throwback. map yeah because right. it wasn't a big map or anything like that it was just like this small little world it was very simple my whole mission going there was just to off someone so it was like nice. find him kill him get out cool yeah and that's what i did nice but yeah I'll probably be playing this game for a couple of more months <laughs> but we'll get there I'll get we'll there have eventually to throw
1: you some little ones in the between there to, to break up
0: but you know I don't do that I, I have to finish what i started
1: you're good like that I could have so many started and then wonder why when I start to save that I have no idea what's going on anymore hmm. yeah you're gonna have to have a
2: celebration oh podcast when you get done with this game
1: right? this <laughs> yeah <laughs> <We will. laughs> this might be going on one of the longer ones
2: it
0: is I'd say. Yeah. The Witcher Three was another one I remember playing a long period sure. because I played the full portion of the game and then all the subsequent DLCs that went along with it, like the complete edition. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that took a while, but I don't remember how many saved hours I had. So we'll have to look. Could be. I would say it was at least it was over a hundred,
2: for sure. Mm. But mm. those are peasant numbers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, around here, it's like you brag about it. It's like, mm. well, actually, well, mm-hmm. actually. You're not a true actually. gamer
0: <laughs> if you play like this. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> if you play it the right way, it would take you 496 hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I could chronicle uh, every hour that I've played of Assassin's Creed, but Lace, why don't we talk about some news? We got a I know little you've bit got of
1: things. Some. Yeah, we got a little bit of things to discuss. A3. Uh yeah, mm-hmm. well, there was some E3 stuff going on. It seemed like we pretty much had just finished kind of wrapping up what was going to get announced. And I want to say one of the only really new ones out of E3 Game Fest, you know me, I'm going to get them confused because, of course, <laughs> we had to have them at the exact same time, um, is the Nintendo Direct, which, of yeah. course, came a yes, couple yes. days after our last uh, last podcast came out last Monday. Uh, so, hey, we got a nice little 40 minute, 40-ish, a little bit longer than that minute uh, where they were covering over some things. Um, how excited was everyone for the new console, huh?
0: Ooh, yeah, what happened with <laughs> oh, that? Oh,
1: <laughs> I was expecting so much hoorah about that the next day or that day or whatever, so I guess it's still just floating in the interwebs right now. They, they don't want
2: to drop it when people expect it you that's, can't no, yeah that's probably bad. you can't be you, you, nintendo can't be the ones that are just following the usual track no matter what
0: I've, so. I've said it before on this show i think every time there's an expectation nintendo's like get it off the table just mm-hmm. take it away so we're not going to do that and i like that
2: i don't i don't want to yeah. just go into something knowing what's going to happen
1: I know. And that's why I think I get so pissed off at leakers. It's like, do you guys not enjoy just having that reveal sitting down to not knowing what's going on? I just ugh. It's like you gotta stay off the internet till you've learned all the things you want to learn about a thing first, and then you can go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we did get 40 minutes worth with some big announcements going on in there, depending on who you are, what you may or may not be excited for, of course. It's all situational. New Metroid.
2: Yep, they've unloaded very right? good. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, dread. Dread looks just fantastic.
1: And uh, people seem to be pretty excited for this. It looks like this direct sequel mm-hmm. came out, obviously, however many years later. Now we're looking at this one, so uh, direct sequel to Metroid's Fusion. Um, so it's supposed to be the end of the saga between Samus and the no, Metroids. I don't like, that. I don't like that. I mean, it took a while in the making, so we'll see. But I mean, we're not. We're looking. October eighth was what they put down for a release date for that. I take every release dates with a grain of salt.
0: Birthday gift.
1: Ooh, <laughs> that's true. It's like what the day before, ain't it? Uh-huh. Isn't Birthday it? gift. Yeah, there saying. you go. If I remember about it coming around at that time, we're lucky. What if good friend? A week before. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually the one where I remember like the day before, and I'm like, shit, <laughs> hurry up. <clears throat> And then, I mean, I actually heard this one at work. The screams around the world. The legend of Zelda. The Breath of the Wild 2 little peek that everyone... This was the one where we were like, we're never seeing it. And then, mm-hmm. so you're right. They're like, well, I guess we'll show it off this time. Whereas, you know, before... They tell you, of course, still have patience. <laughs> They're letting you know it's still a ways away. But it did look like, what, 2022 release window? So now there's like a window...
0: Yeah, and they're usually pretty good about their release windows. They don't normally just casually drop a, a date.
1: Right, They usually that's true. stick to it. They're usually a little bit better about it, for sure. So, I mean, you did get to see a little gameplay. Um, yeah, that's what then, I was course, waiting
2: for when, you know, they are showing the cinematic yeah. elements and everything. Like, show, show me a little bit of what's going on. Okay, they did. Now, here's what I think it, it might be exciting, depending on mm-hmm. how they actually decide to do this. Some of my favorite sequels of all time are games where they give you all of uh, the things you earned in the first game. Like, up front. Oh, yeah. uh, and he was using some of those hero powers and whatnot from the first game. Right. Um, and if if they do that and then just expand on what they have, then I'm, I'm going to absolutely, like, freak out. Because it's not very usual. You know, usually they do the classic Metroid thing of you get sapped mm-hmm. of all your powers and everything. So... I'm excited for that. I'm also excited for kind of, they're, they're going with a kind of Skyward Sword structure mm-hmm. to the game, yeah. where they yeah, have all these like islands that. and everything. Well, uh, Skyward Sword or Wind Waker, uh, depending on the way you want to look at it. Wind Waker did mm-hmm. it better. But, uh, you know. So, <laughs> Just as an aside. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it gives them chances to have more uh, directed gameplay as opposed to being entirely open, but you can still choose mm-hmm. which way you're going to Approach a problem, so I, I, I think that there is quite a bit of potential for more, uh, for for more of the design to shine, uh. Whereas oh, in fair. in Breath of the Wild, I think it was more, you know, your 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 abilities and your thinking kind of imposing on this world which is kind of running in, in, in independently from you which can be good in some ways but uh, I think it was also pretty well designed so I'm excited for that mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well yeah. I'm excited for y'all I know you really liked it
0: I definitely saw the inspirations and kind of made me think that this is why they were releasing Skyward Sword like an HD mm-hmm. because yep. the first shot was him flying or falling out of the sky and I was like well that explains it right there. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get everybody hyped. So I'm excited for it. I mean, it, it took me a while before I got around to Breath of the Wild, but I got sucked in hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am that lone weirdo that didn't get sucked into it. I'm the opposite of the core. where I like, I guess apparently OG Zelda or bust for me. That's because I, 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 I loved the very, very first one you know, back in NES or whatever. Second one also started to lose me, like, right away. Like, Link 2, that's all the two. But
0: that one's that's often two. maligned anyway, so I don't think you're alone in that.
1: That's true. <laughs> but, and then I tried this one, man, and I tried for about two, two, three hours, something like that, and I just got it. I felt so sad. I wanted to love it. Everyone's loving it. Oof. All right, well. It's what makes the world go around, right? If we all mm-hmm. liked the same type of game, there'd be one game for everyone to play and that would be it. Um, but then they, you know, their little handheld thing they yeah, wanted see? to <laughs> talk about there, that, that could at least have the one on it that I enjoyed. That's your retro. birthday present. There you go. When <laughs> is it? did I write down? Oh yeah, that's November twelfth. So a little bit later, okay, but that's when well. they're 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 showing. But it so it has like the, your, the Legend of Zelda series one and two and Link's Awakening on a little handheld device, just preloaded with the aforementioned games. Um, and it has a fun clock, which apparently was a selling point in the commercial for it. Was that? In yeah, it's, it, a, it's a repeat <laughs> of
2: you know, it's uh, a model of the game and watch which back in the oh, day, right. yeah, you you, yeah. you didn't used to have digital clocks. So actually, that was a pretty good feature uh, to have a timer and a digital clock and you can play a game on it, you know, so that.
1: <laughs> Kids these days won't understand the struggle. <laughs> Everything's got a, a clock on it for you. Yeah. And no hands. You, you had to pay attention to that. But hey, that one looks fun. It looks like 50 bucks is <laughs> what they're asking for that. A little handheld, so there you go. If you're a collector and all that kind of stuff, I mean, I think it's neat. It's definitely not something I want, but uh, it's definitely neat. Um, And then the rest, that kind of I that I thought that they went through was more like remasters or things that were getting a Switch port, so not necessarily like anything new. Hey, hey, you didn't talk about Mario
2: Golf though.
1: Ah, that's true. (laughs) I don't like that that in the Mario Rabbids. Uh, which I know, which, but I guess they kind of already had that leaked from a showcase prior, like Nintendo leaked their own thing before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. Like, they needed to wait one hour is all I remembered. It was like one hour before the showcase was to go live and they're tweeting about their their game. But uh, not everyone can be perfect, I guess. So... Uh, but yeah, what if the direct caught your eye that I didn't mention? Because I, I, I saw Life is Strange is also getting like a nice little port, little pretty HD remaster to go over to it, which I enjoyed the first one, not so much the other one, but I haven't played the third. Is that the prequel is the third one?
0: Mm, no, that was the second.
1: Okay. Whatever the latest one was. Not touched but, it even. I don't a know.
0: Bit. There's too many <laughs> at this point. <laughs> All
1: right, well, I mean, speaking of more, like, kind of E3-ish kind of stuff, I I, I saw a little kerfuffle, and I thought it might be an interesting conversation. We'll see. Maybe not. We could maybe wrap it up quick. But, like, this whole exclusivity thing, there was a lot going on about how we're moving forward here, and we could see that most ZeniMax games looks to be Microsoft, PC, Xbox, whatever you want to call it, exclusive. I mean, they paid $7.5 billion for the privilege, so I'm not surprised as soon no. as it happened i was like this is probably why would why wouldn't you why would it you just spent a huge well chunk of change
2: you know they they did see the benefit of doing that for minecraft importing it to other systems sure. so i don't think that microsoft is solely against it but they do have strategies in regards mm-hmm. to you know what sort of games are going to go that route uh you know i i think that They might put some of these things as timed, but they're just not going to say that right now.
1: Sure. It looks like Bethesda might be the the biggest heartbreak that I've seen most people, you know, now that's probably going to be, well, it is actually. He he did come out and say, you know, basically like, you know, I don't have. Any say in this, guys? But it is what it is, and they're um, letting us know that with us being able to focus on just one specific console, we can create a much better product. Because now you're not trying to get it to work for a lot of different things. Now this is what they're trying to say to you, so you will calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, like, I mean, I know it's easy for me to sit here because I kind of, I kind of play both sides. Like, I have my PlayStation and I have my PC, and so far I've been able to get whatever game that's come out that I want to (laughs) play. So I know it's easy for me to sit here and go, stop your whining, because, like, I've been in a pretty good seat because I'm a PC gamer. (laughs) But is it really that ridiculous? Because PlayStation has done it for so long, and well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wouldn't I, I it mean, stand
1: to reason if you bought a developing team, you'd probably want them to make amazing games for your hardware?
0: Looking, looking at my history of gaming, going way back to the original days uh, as a child,
1: <laughs> Zui, baby.
0: I, was, I was strictly Nintendo for the longest time. It wasn't until the Wii U hit that I decided to make a shift. So, anytime all these other consoles were getting these exclusives, I was like, oh, I want to play that. Oh, I want to play that. Uh. And all I had to do was go get the other console. You know, I knew that I was stuck. Yeah. I mean, I I got exclusive games for Nintendo that they didn't get. Right. So, it was I had to make a choice. It was like, do I stay here or do I go over here? And mm-hmm. I can have both. I have both. But... It was just a matter of like, where do I want to, you know, plant my flag, right? And that's what these people need to to realize. If this is, if these are the games that you want, you're gonna have to go over there.
1: Cause I have said for a while that the one thing that I thought Xbox really needed to do was have console-exclusive games, because PlayStation has done it for so long. Now, a lot of them that I saw, it felt like it was still doing both, but they did mention a lot of console-exclusive, I want to say, with this last E3, where it specifically said console, not Microsoft or... Hmm whatever maybe it was because it was like you know the xbox showcase more or less <laughs> you know so you're focused on that but i don't see an issue with it in the rules that we've kind of carved out for ourselves
2: yeah in the current ecosystem but i, I do feel that in regards to the consumer that exclusivity is not really a positive policy um sure. you know it, it divides things into you know camps uh, and but like, I always say that the uh, the fifth generation or sixth generation, I the generations are done. That's that's a whole. <laughs> no no no. They yeah. like uh, the PS2, uh, Xbox, GameCube era. Uh, oh yeah. There okay. like that was the point where most consoles were at a, were at parity, where you could mm-hmm. port anything to anywhere. You know there were the exclusives on particular consoles, but every you know minor publisher you know not uh, aside from the the huge ones were porting across all of the systems at once they weren't ignoring anything uh and in general there was no huge improvement on one or the other uh and you know there's this kind of romantic idea that you can you squeeze everything you can out of one console by <laughs> you know <Wow>. being <laughs> yeah. being the the best at it but at the, the same time it's like you know, if you're looking for the most impressive graphics, then you got you got your PC here. <laughs> you're not in. They're never gonna. You're never gonna top that. Uh, it, well, so I so I think that there's a uh, you know p- play experience is what should be different about these things, and that can that can manifest in a lot of different ways. You know, Nintendo likes to do it with controllers. Xbox mm-hmm. kind of likes to do it with online experience. Uh, so. Those, those are really the selling points of the consoles, uh, to me at least.
1: Yeah, and I and I feel like maybe it's just we've moved into this era that they don't think that they'll sell their consoles as much unless they have these bigger games. Because I almost would hazard to say the new generation here, pretty damn close to each other, right? Like, is there really, I mean, I have not touched either I'll be completely fair, not even had the privilege to try. I've I've, I've tried, <laughs> and as soon as I feel like I'm actually getting to try, I've been denied. But uh, yeah, so it does uh, – uh, whether we think it's consumer-friendly or not, the businesses are going to business, right? And they're hmm. trying to think of a way that's uh, going to try to sell their hardware more and – until it all merges into one big thing. <laughs> I mean, this is how they're going to fight with each other. I think the biggest one here now would be upset with the upset was Starfield because it looked like a lot of people were very excited. And I'll admit, you know, I love to hate Bethesda, but I still like their stuff, even though it'll probably be a buggy mess. And I'll
2: probably <laughs>
1: laugh about how we <laughs> fell through the floor. or My horse just flew away or something, random. You know, it, but it, I'll this- still play it.
2: Now now that Bethesda and Obsidian are both on, they need to join forces and make the buggiest game that was like,
1: (laughs) that was the thing. I was like, let Bethesda make it, let Obsidian ride it and it'll be the most glorious, (laughs) 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 beautiful mess we've ever had in a while. The the most, the best game and then the most laughs. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens from here. I just, like, stop being so upset about it. There's nothing we could do. It was going to happen. And I feel like, PlayStation fans, you've had it good for so long. And you're the loudest one in this room right now. And I get it because you've not been used to being denied it. You've always had the exclusives. Uh, but you said turned. it.
0: But you said it. They knew it was coming. They had to. If you had a problem. You should have already, you should have made that turn already.
1: Had to know. Or just buy a PC like me, guys.
0: Yeah. Just Did get a PC.
1: Be that person who just rides both sides until it doesn't, yep. you know.
2: I, I I play games for enjoyment, not to get into battles about it. Right. It's true.
1: Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be fun. I feel like we've forgotten that, too. It's supposed to be fun, uh i don't know whatever all of them at bethesda say we're sorry there's the we wish we could make for everybody but we can't tldr and uh we understand that you're mad that was that was our pr push so (laughs) they are offering their condolences that make it better? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Not to the gaming world, no. Not to the Ah!
1: gaming world. I know, I know. They're going to be upset. It's fine. We'll get through this. I promise. We'll get through this. EA is trying something new. Mm Mm-hmm. This actually was kind of a shocker to me. This was actually kind of a shocker to me. So EA Sports is trying something a little different with their FIFA Ultimate Team, or FUT packs, if you will, um, during their Festival of Football event, which started June 18th. So apparently now when you go to the store to buy your packs, you'll actually get to preview what is inside the pack first. So they're actually trying to take the gambling. Oh, I'm sorry. Surprise mechanic portion of it mm. out of the, <laughs> out of the equation here, which fine. If you're showing somebody what they're going to buy up it's still a random element, still a random element, but you will get to see, there will be a preview thing and the way they laid it out here in the article and the picture that I saw cause I don't play FIFA ultimate team. So I don't have firsthand experience, but for the people who were playing them and sharing them online, I mean, it looks pretty straightforward actually. Like it'll tell you you're in preview mode, tell you when you're about to buy it. And I guess it'll just hang out in that preview mode for a while until the next one generates. Like if you decide you don't want to buy it, but is EA actually trying to not make kids gamble? I don't like. I feel like they're luring me into some trap here because if I want, if I give them an attaboy, how are they going to screw me? Well, they're, you know, they're,
2: they're coming at this from the point of view that they need to appease an international market. It's not just, I mean, FIFA specifically, is not a game that they need to adhere to the U.S. gambling laws that have basically, you know, wiped wiped their hands of, you know, loot boxes are not gambling, throw it out. But, of course, in these other countries, I think uh, Denmark or uh, the Netherlands, Mm -hmm. one of them, they had a litigation about this already. And they're trying to more widely apply this across European law. They need to change the way that they're doing this otherwise they're going to lose the big segment of the market that they have and i'm absolutely uh expecting there to be a significant decrease in those profit and you know it's pure profit it's like there's you put nothing into it and you get get that much out of it so you know see that see this as what it is it is still not consumer friendly in the sense that you see what you want to buy and you buy it Mm -hmm. it is still trying to pull you into the cycle
0: to oh, get yeah. you
2: to uh, refresh it quicker you know I, i'm i oh, assume that there's some point. sort yeah, of yeah. uh you know timer element or something yeah on the,
1: it was it, the way it was articulated like yeah you're stuck with whatever you just saw for a bit until a new one generates yeah, yeah.
2: I've, i i've never understood the 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 excitement of that like you know buying the loot boxes like in in bulk and then kind of opening them all together is one thing but then it's like you're just trying to get this one specific thing and and then you know if it has an online marketplace you're trying and then you need to make your Mm -hmm. cost back sell that thing yeah you know us us average (laughs) gamers do not understand i (laughs) and i I understand the value of wanting to in your in your FIFA game wanting to have your favorite team on there to have all the the accessories that come with that but going at it from the the perspective of you have to do it randomly it's like you you should know what you're getting into but that's that's the thing about psychology
1: I would be nice if you could just search what you want and buy it Yeah. yeah
2: plenty of games have that I'm not against cosmetics, especially, you know, very particular cosmetics. You
1: spend your money on what you want to. I I know what they were specifically trying to target here towards. And yeah, and I find it interesting. Well, I shouldn't say interesting. Not really that surprised that like it seems like us over here are the only ones not really trying to push any kind of new law on it. (laughs) Probably figuring out how we could just make money off of it first. It
0: feels like there's something else going on and I don't quite know what it is yet. Because they're always super shady. It's like, look oh. at what we're doing. But then they're doing something else over here. So, leave it uh, Monday morning. Leave it to Jim Sterling. Ten bucks. He's already got it figured out.
1: Ooh, so. good point. <laughs> good well, point. you know,
2: uh, one of the things I would say about this is they didn't make an announcement of it. As far mm-hmm. as I can tell. Uh, no. So they just they just kind of slipped it under you know this is this is something that we just pushed out uh, and they did not, you know, try to go to the press saying, you know, no, no more loot boxes, you know.
1: Which is interesting because weren't we just talking about how he went to the Mm -hmm. press to all whine about how we were over sensationalizing this gambling practices in the first place? You know, you would think you would want to bring look at what we're going to do, what we're trying. Remember how I said all of you games journalists are the ones making us to be the bad guy and it's nowhere near what you. Yeah. Look. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, this will be our fault again somewhere down the line, I'm sure. For like, sure. Like, we weren't supposed to tell people. Anyway, you could do this through July 16th if you're a, a, a FUT buyer, if you ultimate team player. <laughs> I did have the date down <laughs> for when you could, like, have it. And then after that, it's, it's all bets are off. It's back to gambling, I guess. I don't know. One last thing here that, you know, I like to dunk on uh, for conversation here. (laughs) I mean, just my my day to complain about all the the large corporate overlords. But uh, Facebook just can't seem to one-up itself enough on how to make it more garbage than it was the day before. And it found another way, but not surprisingly. I feel like we've all thought it was going this direction for a while, but... They're going to give us the privilege of testing out in in ads in your VR headset for your Oculus headset. We're going to have the privilege of testing it out here. You see the way that it was uh, articulated. So uh, that's right. So you bought the hardware. You paid full price for the game. And now you get to see an ad. You Now you get to see an ad.
0: And you can't look away. It's right there in your eye hole.
1: Well, it depends on how they're doing it. It's yet to be seen whether it would be like in your actual Oculus home. You know, like, I know with mine, I have the OG headset still. I don't have the newer versions here, so I don't know how the home experience has changed from the headset to the next. But, uh, like, it would just be on my TV or something. If I built my own little Oculus home, then I'm walking around like, Jesus Christ. Or (laughs) It seems like a lot of sports games get this, though, because it's easy for them to, like, throw up a billboard, you know, and make it look. Genuinely like the sport experience when you are mm-hmm. sitting there in the stadium. I'm sure you see billboards from their advertisers or their sponsors, and you know this home run brought to you by blah 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 or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> imagine that's how it is at sports ball
2: right you know this reminds me of uh sci-fi in the early 2000s when someone would put on like their ar glasses (laughs) and then it would it would imitate you know that era of the internet whereas there's all these pop-up ads just like coming Mm -hmm. up in front of you (laughs) that's that's what i imagine the experience will actually be and
1: it probably will and it probably will so it was introduced on the mobile app because if you remember now with the new VR and everything, you know it has an application that you put your games and everything through. Um, and apparently, they've been taking this data off of the app, of course, uh, since about 2019 to figure out how they could target this. So the difference is now they'll be putting them in the headset itself, whereas before, they were sneakily trying to put it in those little corner things, hmm. you know, like they do on Facebook. And then, of course, tracking your interaction with it. Um, apparently, though, just like on social media, you can block specific posts or companies that you, you keep getting inundated with ads that don't interest you. You can just block it. Um, but it, Facebook mentions it is not changing how it collects or analyzes user info. So in my mind, that means it's still not safe. I think hmm. they said that to try to be reassuring. And I was like, but you're not going to change how you've handled everyone. That's actually worse. Can you rephrase? <laughs> In my opinion, <laughs> they've not done great at um, keeping everyone's info private. So uh, they apparently also had um, have no plans to force you into a Facebook account, if we remember. I still have it screenshotted from years ago when a Facebook rep <laughs> said we were not going to need a Facebook account to use the Oculus headset. And here we are. Do I trust them? <laughs> Hell no. Not at all. I got rid of mine. And I guess my Oculus headset will be a paperweight in a couple of years is what's going to end up happening. But a Facebook rep said they will use info from your Facebook profile as to what content you have viewed to help serve this up to you, of course. If you viewed it, hovered over it, saved it, or clicked on it in any way within any kind of third-party app, Facebook is going to use this to collect it to serve up ads to you for your in-game experience. So they haven't confirmed solidly whether these ads will show up, like I mentioned earlier, in your Oculus Home, or if it's just going to be like on a billboard at a sport game, or if you're just going to have the privilege of during your loading screen to uh, watch a full-on ad. I don't know. But, uh, Maybe they'll
0: do it like they do on Facebook, where you start watching a video, you get really into it, and then you get interrupted with an ad. You'll be playing <laughs> the
2: game and then instantly interrupted, going, "Damn it, what?" Probably. And I, I mean, everything about uh, Facebook's owning of Oculus has been just a disaster, it's just disaster after disaster. You have there is no reason to buy an Oculus Rift.
1: I, I actually would suggest everyone pay more for a different headset. Yeah. I realize they hit that 299 Sometimes you'll find it for 250 I want to say even just last week they had a sale where you could get the Oculus 2 for 250 But they're going to get money out of you with all this other stuff. And they were also saying that, obviously, that was another concern because it's Facebook with it having the inside-out technology on the headset. Not saying they're the only ones that does this, but since it's Facebook, like, are you – taking recordings of stuff in home to service ads on things like that. I don't know. They said no, but again they also said we wouldn't need a Facebook account to use Oculus so they're not on a trustworthy foot. So I don't trust any of this. So if you have an Oculus, just be prepared. You'll pay 70 bucks for your game and then you'll also get to watch ads. Mm Because Facebook. Because Facebook. (laughs) Because Zuckerberg. (laughs) But this is a key part of ensuring we're creating a self-sustaining platform that can support a variety of business models that unlock new types of content and audiences for you. What? It also helps us continue to make innovative AR VR hardware more accessible to people.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's my response.
1: That, that, in a blog post.
0: And you so. did it in the most robotic voice. It's so perfect.
1: <laughs> i felt like, this Mark Journey there for a little bit. Be. I hate to say that he's, like, a legit gamer, you know, and, like, a cool dude, but, like, the way he does the other. Yeah, he's is not like, the greatest presenter. Are you watching a real thing, but... or is, is he real? <laughs> he was so still. <laughs> like, is he okay? Someone poke him. Make sure he's fine. Is someone holding you hostage? <laughs> Blink twice. <laughs> anyway, I've lost my mind. Uh, I have a couple of quick
2: Okay, what do you got? quick
1: I feel like I'm flying through all this today. Y'all are just letting me, like, complain and not interrupt me.
0: (laughs) I try. No, we love.
1: All right. So this could be cool if you're a GameStop's Power Rewards member, pro member, and and also quick, I guess. But they're giving their pro members first dibs at PS5s, yo. You might get an email that says, hey, you're a pro member. You know, do you want to buy it? I've seen some other companies kind of doing that as well, um, which... I don't know if your odds get any better, but if you're a member, check your email. You might have gotten the notification. Um, Of course, you got to log into, you know, your GameStop account and go to the website and all of that kind of stuff, but they're going to do an early access sale for just them Thursday, June 17th started and then just kind of got to keep, I guess, looking at your email to see if they're going to do any more. So that's two I've seen now because I think PlayStation started doing it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- you mail know, invites to certain members for their I've service. seen a
2: lot of talk about, you know, ways you can combat uh, people scalpers, people who uh, buy the stuff in bulk and everything and mm-hmm. do, like signing up for an auction kind of deal is actually a pretty good solution as far as things go, because it, it does yeah. lock you to like an account that you need to be able to uh, present that you're the owner of that you can get get this thing. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, You you get your product, and presumably because you are a person and not a robot, you can go get your thing, and you can have your enjoyment there at home.
1: I still don't know how it works. Like, do these scalpers really have, like, 10,000 different addresses? Because I feel like you could see 100 was getting sent to the same place and go, but maybe we'll send one. But
0: they've learned how to game the system.
1: I could have just sounded like the stupidest person in the world for those at home who actually understand I mean, it how is posi- this works. I don't know. Yeah. yeah but like
2: I don't know the full extent of this, but I do think that sometimes they uh, set themselves up as a retail store, basically, you know, like uh-huh, they're, yeah. so they, they pretend that they're a retail <gasps> store and then uh, they get their inventory and then they resell yeah. it.
1: See, Nefarious minds. I keep saying you're all are brilliant if you would just use it for good. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, like this these are like most of the criminal mind I find fascinating because you're really <laughs> genius. But I wish we I could like gear true you towards like the human good with these ideas instead of screwing us all over. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But make sure you have signed up if you're not on their email list. Put on Twitter alerts. Do whatever you got to do to get alerted if you're one of those out there still trying to buy a PS5. I've given up. I'm just going to wait until people don't seem to care as much anymore. and then You should again. always
2: wait. There's no point in buying a console as soon as it comes out.
1: I always have bad luck, so I'd like it to at least have a patch or two out because I will get that one console where something was going wrong. So I like to wait at least a year anyway, but I admit I got s- – swooped up in the hype I wanted it FOMO (laughs) I did have FOMO But you might like this also, Steven. I don't know if you get into these things, but Sony's opening up a PS5 beta program ahead of their next uh, major system update. Did you get in on it? I signed up. <laughs> oh, nice. I was going to say, you should if you hadn't, but cool, you already did. Uh, so I think it was last week they shared it's a, they have a major rollout update for later this year planned, and it was asking people, of course, to test it out if you were willing. You can register. This is their first ever beta for something like this, they say. Mm-hmm. I say I, I never really paid attention. <laughs> to I'm they've...
0: curious what it will be because for it to be a beta program for an update to the system, mm-hmm. I feel like it would have to be something pretty big, something maybe major that, that they're going to...
1: second SSD maybe, baby.
0: It, it's got to be something large enough that they really want to test it before they roll it out. Mm-hmm. And they need mm-hmm. all the feedback they can get. And I, my brain can't really process what exactly they would change um, unless they're trying to put it back in. If you look at the way it, it's kind of set up, they, they've they simplified it, but um there's not a lot of customization like you have with the four or the okay. three. So it's like your bar of games is up here, and then you kind of keep it simplified. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that. But maybe some people want that that customization.
1: Well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I saw a little hubbleu about people, um, you know, taking a guess. I don't know. Maybe that'll be what's fun for y'all. It'll be a nice surprise. You'll get to see, and then you can't wait to tell us all about it. Hopefully, I don't know. But you can sign up if you're registered. With, um, <laughs> we'll make
0: a son in NDA. You watch.
1: Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> but they have to know that it doesn't work
2: for a public. I mean, I'll, beta, yeah. I'll honor it.
1: <laughs> people apparently just do not abide by those. But uh, uh, still on the Sony train, it looks like we we really are nearing the end of the last gens. Last gens life cycle. This is mm-hmm. very confusing time <laughs> right now to be a gamer. So if you were still one of those people enjoying a lot of looks like Rockstar games on PS3 or 360, hate to break it to you, but it seems like seems like you're nearing the end of being able to use those consoles. And still get updates for these games. So if you play GTA 5 online, apparently the support will be done September 16th. Be no longer sold or anything. You can still play your story mode. But online, we're done. Sorry. Sorry, BBs. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) LA Noir fans are going to have the same fate also on September 16th. Again, your story mode will be fine. But if you played online...
2: That's Wait, there's a yeah, that was that was confused. They actually
1: did and I honestly didn't know it was big enough to have still come on when I was reading this blog post too. Cuz I remember the Hubs playing it. Huh. You know, he every time there's an online shooter PVP mode in any game, he'll give it a shot for a little while and I went, "Oh, interesting." But I didn't know it was still a thing. So, it's you can do it on PS4 and 5. <laughs> You just won't be able to on the 3. I didn't
2: even know they re-released it on, on those other consoles.
1: Oh, have they on 5 yet? I know I don't on think 5. on PC. Yeah, you may be right on the 5. So unless there's that fast whatever, but they may not have it for that one yet. Um, and also it looks like Max Payne 3. So if you were playing all of those on Xbox 360 and PS3 through September 16th, it looks like they'll still be supporting uh, those online versions. But after that, it just be story mode for you. It'll just be story mode for you. Um, And unfortunately, your progress and stuff won't transfer, it looks like. I was reading through some of the frequently asked questions. So, yeah, if you have whatever currency in these games, spend it up. Do what you got to do because it doesn't look like they're going to do anything for you if you have it sitting there by the time this happens. But to be fair, how long has it been? I was I was more surprised people were still using those two consoles for. Yeah, it Netflix. was a
2: simultaneous release on uh, P- PS4, PS3, Xbox, Xbox One. So, uh, like, if you're if you were playing on the last gen thing, then it's like you know, it was already on the point where were they were the going to go out. We are now. Yeah, right. Like, they, <laughs> so, I, and if you if you really care about uh, contiguity, then obviously PC.
1: Yeah, yeah. At least that we we still, you know, as long as they don't take our servers away. <laughs>
2: they will eventually. It all happens. You know, this is the they thing about eventually. preservation. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's all gone. inevitable. It's all digital. It's all ephemeral, as they say. Mm-hmm. J- they just really like will. I lost my Neopets account so long ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is no longer there. Some of our farms have been dying for a very long time. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh man well anyway yep so if you got virtual currency virtual goods whatever however it works for you over there it sounds like you got till September 16th to have your fun with it and then after that it's gotta gotta go move up gotta move up at least to the last gen
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean the fact that they're even releasing it on PlayStation 5 and I'm sure the Xbox series
1: GTA 5 yeah is the last installment they're never making a new one. They're milking this thing forever. The fact that it was on PS3. PS3. I mean, good job at creating a game that's had this kind of staying power for crying out loud. But dear God, it's been a long time. And
0: they're not even, are they, they're just porting it over. They're not doing yes. any
1: There's special. New paint. Hardly. <laughs> new paint is all I can think of. And maybe just making it work for whatever that is. But I, I don't know. But I mean, good job. Good job. I would not have seen it lasting this long. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 might finally be returning to Sony stores. I lied. Apparently today when you're listening to it, you can buy it on Sony stores again. June 21st, it gets to come back. Although Sony don't recommend still buying it over there. It still goes over there. But you can buy it. Well, actually, they recommend um, PS4 Pro and PS5 moving forward still. So, is this still
0: technically the PlayStation 4 version?
1: I think so, yeah. Because, like, they've not made, like, a specific PS5 version of the game, to my knowledge.
0: Because I thought they were working on those, Mm -hmm. and they said, yeah, we're going to release it later. But it's been later. They just
1: released a new patch on the 17th, 1.23.
0: And what does that do? (laughs) Maybe that's. I mean, it's 1.23, all right?
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) 1.23. Easy as
0: 1.23. All it says in the patch notes is... uh, It,
1: like, says fixes myriad of bugs, this quest, blah, blah, blah. So I don't usually rattle it all off anymore because they kind of read the same almost every time they put out a patch. It's just, like, the quest that's bugged might be different from the last patch notes. I don't know. I haven't clicked it back on. I need to. I need to now that it's had quite a few updates and just make a comparison because I was one of those who played it live. But, again, I played it. On PC, so I didn't have as bad of a time as other people. Like, yeah, were there issues? Sure. But it was playable. I got through it just fine. And
2: -hmm. most
1: of the bugs just made me laugh. And I know that's not how I'm supposed to act with a full-price game, but you got to find the joy, people. You just drive yourself crazy at every little thing. Uh, So, yeah, I guess... (laughs) if you wanted to get it on the PlayStation 4 and you were wondering when it was going to come back, here you go. Congratulations. You can play it today. Um, <laughs> I just still thought it was funny that they were like, but you probably still don't want to.
0: Meh. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> You're going to have to convince me that it's a perfect game at this point. That I
1: don't know. I'm that not going to buy that. I, I guess I, I can agree with that. It would need to be at least the pro or on up because, I mean, it is pretty intense, As far as the stuff rendering and those who were able to play it, it seemed like a lot of it was just, it would be an empty void world because they wouldn't be able to render all of the extra people to kind of let the game itself run, you know? So Mm. it just couldn't feel like it was a lived in thing. um, Like we're back in the days of the text
2: adventure where you you get, you get your story or you get your graphics.
1: One, (laughs) one of the two, that's it. (laughs) Maybe open a door. You're not a light switch. But um I mean, I'm about those games, and maybe they won't serve you up ads. I don't know. Lights. Gaming starting moving forward starting to get me a little like it's already an expensive hobby, people. And you're the generation above you
2: already year. felt that way about this generation.
1: <gasps> That's true. We all, we all have the right, right? Mm-hmm.
2: The Old man waves a cloud. Right. Damn you. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: Again, this is why I go to Indies, man. I'm telling you. It's a fair price. Usually a better story. I don't need it to be like, oh, my God, look at these graphics. They're so amazing. And the Apple looks so real. It's like, I want a good story, and I want it to play right. <laughs> That's all we can and, hope. You know? And so go play Indies, guys, because I still support them more. But... Even with the wrapping up of E3, at Games Fest, it's a little bit slower of a week. So that it was about all that caught up my eye. I thought for sure we'd have like maybe some huge announcement after the last podcast for E3 or something that was gonna happen after we recorded, because it does always. And no, it's okay. I was waiting to jump on that switch train, but
0: well, like like every year, once E3 passes, the well dries up.
2: We it's know. True. This. We are we in the barren wasteland of <laughs> game news.
1: All right. All right. We're just talking about Facebook ads and dunking on E3. Or E3. I'm sorry. Not E3. EA. 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 You can dunk on E3 a little
2: bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, but it was fine this. this year. There's no massive yeah. disappointments or anything. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's better when they're not in the giant uh, halls and, you know, spending all this money to reveal something that we don't want. Which mm-hmm. kind
1: of makes you wonder, like, is E3 working that way anymore? I yeah, it's if, uh, yeah. Jeff Keeley's more on to something here and how to. Well, I'm not.
2: E3 I'm not going to agree forward. with that, but. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, just in changing up the format, like hmm. needing to be in-person convention style. I don't know. I miss it. I don't want it to go away. You know, I I, I think, still like my gaming conventions. I still think everyone who's a gamer owes it to themselves to go to a gaming. I, oh, convention definitely at least once in their life. But I d-
2: but. I do think that. You know, the original purpose of E3 was as an industry show. And mm-hmm. that, like, when they started doing videos and everything, like, started like 2006 or whatever, when the That's PS3 right. was first revealed, it started to become more consumer oriented. There needs to be more of a business industry showcase. I've been to GDC, so I uh, went Ooh. to. Uh, nice. You know, so I met with game developers and everything. So like they have the creative folks have their conference, and uh, they also uh, hawk tools there and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Unity and uh, and anyone remembers uh, remember Amazon Lumberyard? Uh, they had a booth there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I, I feel like there does need to be something for the for the business people that doesn't have to be like the stodgiest, you know, c- conference, like a sales conference of, of a paper company or something like that. True. So
1: and I think we've also got to remember, it's not just games, it's electronic, mm-hmm. you know, all around, you know, so.
2: Yeah, when's Leapfrog Le- coming back to E3? Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come to Chicago.
0: Right? That's why I like PAX because it, it feels a lot like. It's a game showcase. It's not about an industry thing. They're just... Everyone's there to show off their game. And that's where Mm -hmm. you can find those little gems. You know?
1: Oh, yeah. I spend the whole time in indie booths. The whole time. And I'll still find stuff on the last day that I still hadn't walked past. Just the indies. I don't bother with all the other stuff. I'll find out about that. Yeah, so They've got the marketing to send it my way at some point.
2: There's, you know, three different divisions of, you know, ways you can be interested in games. You know, players... Mm-hmm. Industry creative people, industry business people. I mean, there's more than that, but you know that that those mm-hmm. are kind of the levels of which you could this, uh, help, hold a, hold a yeah. convention uh, to that. Yeah. I go to re- uh, retro conventions sometimes. I'm gonna go up to uh, Midwest gaming classic. so like nice. I'm hmm. you know i'm I'm on more of the retro uh, part even even though mm-hmm. I'm probably like the youngest person there that's not a son of somebody uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, so that you know there there are different these things don't have to be you know right next to each other we don't have to have an ultimate gaming event or anything and it's good that we have kind of local events magfest prge uh Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff so there if you want to go and meet with people and discover something new there should be a venue for all of that and i think e3 needs to be the business venue but i'm i'm speaking from somebody looking at this from a history standpoint Sure.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. It's always good to have the different perspective on it. In which case, now might be a good time to dive into that brilliant mind.
2: Yeah. Brilliant. brilliant? Oh, oh no. You've got to stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be humble. <laughs> right,
1: right, right.
2: So
0: I do want to kind of start with uh, 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 some connections that you have. Mm-hmm.
2: You're kind of acquainted with our our guest last week, Alex. Yep, um, I've got it oh, yeah. right in the front of the uh, right in front of his uh, book, the first volume. I have my own my own paragraph in the acknowledgments, so I can I can say that I have uh, been useful in a uh, quote unquote foundational tome. His words, not mine, uh, <laughs> of video game history. Uh, really, that's been my thing, just like trying to connect with people and having little branches of connection with all the various people doing things i've helped i've helped with a a large number of projects in the past
0: so how long have you known alex i mean how long does that kind of go back
2: uh it's only only to 2016 we didn't know each other before that he he had just been doing his blog and i was getting into this general history idea i have uh, things that i was working on um at first, he was kind of keeping me at arm's length. I'll tell you that. Uh, that, but then, but then I found I found something for him about Periscope, and then he was ah. like, "Oh, this guy's doing actual actual work. Uh, I'm going to trust oh, him though." Yeah.
1: Not just some dude who's like, "Hey," slides into the email. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, another name
0: I kind of saw on your blog site, which is another gaming historian that I've. I've uh, researched and, and kind of taken from his stuff as well uh jimmy marr
2: you, yeah jimmy mayor uh marr Mar, yeah i think it's actually marr he was on uh, the video game history hour recently and they say they said marr so i think okay. that's oh, okay. i think that's uh, appropriate that. um yeah I, I don't i don't know him personally but uh I, 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 try and, uh, help out when he, he has a very specific set of knowledge and he acknowledges that, uh, in regards to computer games and literary history. Uh, his, his blog is very good. Uh, anyone who is interested in, uh, video game history should read it. Uh, but, okay. uh, he, he, he gets shaky sometimes on console stories and, uh, things like that so you you know some certain people that i've interviewed i can add something to the thing and i've interviewed over a hundred people uh, in the that have worked in the video game industry so That's i crazy. i have a i have a a bit of knowledge to share sometimes it's all very specific it feels like
1: hey watch on to that niche man it works I tell you shouldn't be ashamed of any knowledge
0: before I forget about it, we got to talk about Frank Fogelman. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I actually had that on here. I did. I had that on here. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, I I do have to get on you about, about one thing from these uh, previous episodes that you've been looking into stuff, drawing on things that uh, Keith has done and I've done. Uh, we'll have to say Periscope is not a light gun game. I do have to uh, put that, put that up there. It has right. an actual physical mechanism that moves. It's mm. not just, you know, uh, shooting at the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, f- <laughs>
1: Not just writing up to the TV.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I've become uh, very involved with with Gremlin. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much the Gremlin historian because they actually, uh, this is completely unique out of any company from that era. They have kept a reunion going since the 70s. Wow. That, you know, even after Gremlin collapsed, they continued meeting at this one restaurant on an airfield in uh, San Diego and I got, I contacted Frank Fulgeman and he started telling me about some of this stuff. And then uh, I managed to go out there twice. Um, So I've become actually, this is the first time I've physically met people from the industry. And, and, you know, they, they thought I was a very odd little little person just kind (laughs) of wandering around there. But it, you know, it was uh, a very heartwarming event and, uh, Frank even let me stay at his home once, so like I feel like we have a personal sort of connection. Um, and go. basically, he strong-armed me uh, uh, write a book about this. So <laughs> this is oh, uh, there you go. So I, I've I've been working on that. Uh, it's actually a dual-tiered book because I didn't think Gremlin by itself could could uh, be a book. But there's another company located in San Diego, may have heard of it called Cinematronics. They're the company. Uh, I was
1: gonna say it sounds familiar. They put out Dragon
2: Slayer, uh, which oh, okay. is probably oh, okay. what you'll you'll know best. But the, these two companies were intertwined in many ways. Uh, huh. Won't I won't I won't spoil what what might eventually come. Yeah, we're gonna have to but, go get the
1: book. Yeah,
2: uh, it's not <laughs> it's not out yet. Uh, I I need to get back out to San Diego, do research, talk to people, and uh, get a sense of things. But like I'm I that's one project I'm working on, um, and they're. Others kind of floating up in the air. Uh, I did not have a chance to tell uh, Frank Folgeman that you said he sounded like a Dick Tracy character, though.
1: But it's so cool.
2: He does. It's he like has a cool
1: sounding name. name. It works <laughs> out for that. He's a. I mean, you even got to look through his book. It looked like yeah, on the, the website like he had a...
2: yeah, it was a binder. Uh, it's been lost actually. <gasps> Sent like I I looked at it up and I called him a bit later and it's like yeah the. Uh, Recently, some maids went through and I can't find the book anymore. Uh, But, you know, I captured the information. Um, So I'm at least I I got that part. Like it's this is some of the things that you realize when you go into archives. You don't know what you're going to find, obviously. But what I found in this binder were especially these uh, newsletters Almost every big coin up company had company newsletters that they would distribute to the people, you know, who are buying the games and also the people within the company who may not know everything that's happening around the company. You know, it, today we have kind of online newsletters that give you little snippets of things. But this, mm-hmm. like, it goes into literally every aspect of production. It talks about the woodworking people, the wiring department, the wow. you know the technical support <laughs> and repairs and whatnot, and like that. That was you know you you don't hear about this stuff, you know, and and in many ways it's not as generally interesting, but you do realize that these these people live their lives, and uh, this was a, a huge part of that, and they did have an influence on how how these games. Uh, Developed in terms, you know, everyone mm. loves the look of a sleek uh, cabinet, but you know, who's the person that actually put that together? And right, I, yeah. and I will tell you this: this is a crazy thing. Uh, I actually contacted somebody uh, who turned out uh, he was one of the, he was a production manager at Gremlin. Turned out he was a friend of my father. Oh, I didn't wow. even That's know. That's
1: crazy! Like such a small world.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the if you look in unusual places... Did he places. have any good
1: dirt about your dad? <laughs> there you go. That's a-
2: <laughs> but, uh, you know, so if you, if you look in unusual places, you can find interesting stories. And uh, mm-hmm. Alex talks a lot about this, too. It's if you are only getting in with the game creators... And only getting their perspective on the stories, then you're going to get a you know a slice that is tailored to their memory and their uh, experience and what they think is important. And obviously, it, it's the same for everybody. But things like you know th- this console was not successful because. Uh, we, we were not paid enough to uh, make good games for it. But then if you talk to somebody who was running production, it's like, well, we had a huge problem with production. We couldn't get the consoles out enough to meet orders. And then you kind of like, you know, you form a, a, a more rich and interesting story, at least in yeah. in my opinion. So mm. I, I that's why I think that there is a lot of value to talking to everybody across the line if they have something to tell. You know, so, some people don't remember things and they... Or maybe not not as before. interesting, uh, but so, so many of them are willing. That's the crazy thing. It's just, like I have very rarely gotten a rejection, ever. Wow, uh, wow, you know, over a hundred, and you know, only a, a small number of rejections.
0: I mean, the the history that you guys are putting together and and reading that it's fascinating to me. This is why I've actually started really digging into a lot of your guys's work and kind of doing a, a Cliff's Notes version of it, as mm-hmm. I like to call it, because it's so fascinating. There's there's so many little things that you don't think about. And, you, I mean, history goes back, as we said, over 100 years. If you're talking and, arcade and games. Arcade yeah. games, but then, of course, that leads to consoles and, and the gaming world as we know it today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all connected in some way, shape, or form, but the history is so rich and, and it's just little details, little things like, what were we talking? Well, with Gremlin, I mean, just their whole journey was was like hilariously
1: cursed. And I don't mean that to be like a dig, but it was just like, you kept going, Oh my gosh, why? But
0: they (laughs) kept, they kept going. They were trying to persevere despite it all, but they, they tried. Yeah. I I, I like the word for that.
2: Yeah. I like the word rich that you use because it's, it's very small, actually. Even if you're talking about arcade games, even going back a hundred years, there are very direct connections between people and places, and especially in the early video game industry, it's like every every executive that worked for Sony, at like like at one point worked for Sega, and uh, many of the people who worked at uh, uh, Nintendo went to Sega, and like they and you know they're smaller companies too, but it, it's mm-hmm. like there were only a very small number of players that like really mattered in yeah. that industry so you if you if you dig just even a little bit under the surface under the the press releases you start seeing that there are you know these layers of interconnection these woven threads that one thing leads to another it's it's a very very rich palette to to mm. get a handle on and like we're we're still digging up the sources you know it, uh-huh. or oral history and uh books and whatnot that just never have mm. been mined and looked at the for interesting little details about everything you can imagine
0: sega definitely seems to be a through line on a lot of things mm. their name keeps popping up every time I, I go into one of these uh journeys through these blogs i, I notice they Seem to pop up in the oddest of places that I wouldn't have thought about, but there they are.
2: Yeah, they were a very adventurous company, and uh, they're one of the few companies that was, you know, in before video games and then Mm. continued through. They never really considered themselves a home console company, which is what people kind of consider them as, you know, with uh, Sonic Dreamcast. Saturn Genesis, all, all that stuff, you know, that's where they made their impact on culture, but it's not, it's very far from the only thing that they did. They, sure. you know, uh, uh, even today, they are a big promoter of uh, anime productions, and uh, they've done theme parks, and of course, they, they were a, a big arcade owner up until very sure. recently, where they divested all of that stuff. To, uh, mm-hmm. to an outside you know, company, I was reading about some of that. Yeah, the arcade situation in Japan uh, is is fraught, uh, and yeah. it was it, you, you can kind of expect that 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 was going to happen. Uh, I mean, there is now a greater incentive to uh, go to. Uh, locations to try and have fun, fun with people up in in person to play interesting experiences. So mm-hmm. that that's a, a hopeful note on the you know arcade being in a, in an upswing, an uptick, uh, and uh, very recently you know uh, the Arcade Dreams production were at, was actually uh, here here around in Chicago, and they were uh, meeting with people like uh, Gary Stern and Eugene Jarvis, and uh, getting a sense of you know, where the arcade might be going in the future.
0: So while we were, we, since you kind of brought that up, let's talk about that for a minute. So how did you kind of get involved with the Arcade Dreams documentary? Uh, we said up top you were an advisor, so how did that come about?
2: Yeah, the, uh, Zach, the director, Zach Weddington, he was on a podcast called The Retro Hour Podcast, uh, talking about the if this was early stages of this project 2018, so this has been going on for quite a while. He's been accumulating footage uh, all over this time, and he, uh, you know, he he was very enthusiastic. And I saw the trailer, and I was absolutely blown away by the cinematography. Uh, the Amiga Bill Winters is the cinematographer, and he is. Absolutely astounding. He's shooting these games, these ancient games, over a hundred years old, in a way that brings life to them. Because you see an old antique and you don't really think much about it, even if it moves, uh or you know, you might have played an old style shooting game with little balls and whatnot. It doesn't feel as exciting as even uh, an 80s video game. But when you really get the sense of like, how it feels and how it felt to the people at the time. That was really uh, intriguing. So I I contacted Zach because I was just like, you know, I've done arcade research. I have a good number of resources on this. And then, uh, you know, I'd I'd be willing to just fact check stuff for you. But then he drew me in as a member of the team. That was his initiative. I I did not go in there with the intention. Who was luring who? (laughs) So uh, we've had a very fruitful uh, relationship together. So uh um i i like to say researcher is kind of the thing and and that involves both the the general fact-checking aspect but also finding pictures that would be useful for the documentary uh, identifying archives that we might want to explore and uh you know and being the person to help shape interviews when we're getting around to those so you know historian is a is a broad term So I, I like to think that I have accumulated, even though I didn't go to school for this kind of stuff, a wide breadth of knowledge on how to approach a subject like this. And I just like filmmaking too. So that's, that's a good aspect.
1: It's kind of blending all the loves together.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, I looked at the cast, well, cast, uh, (laughs) crew, let's just say crew. I don't know why I said cast, but I I saw that, I think it was on the, kickstarter page that they had up there may have been a, another page that i was looking at but all the people involved i mean it was just it was an impressive swath of, of people one name in particular that kind of hit me was uh uh Berj garabedian he's the executive producer he he runs mm-hmm. uh dot yeah you know i i think that's actually where i saw the trailer was on their youtube page and that just kind of was like oh wow so, I mean, there were a lot of familiar names, and then, of course, saw your name on there, and I was like, oh, that's awesome.
2: So, <laughs> so this mean, is going to be the first, like, major project that I'm involved with. I've done all these kind of minor things, articles, editing for GA. I did write a book. Uh, but this is kind of the, the first thing where I feel like I can really say that I have made a val- a valuable contribution that people will actually see and enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, your Aww. blog is a valuable contribution in my book. It really Thank you. Yes, it really is. A- Any we've we've brought it up, or at least with the Periscope, we'll even mm-hmm. have it in the show notes today. I want people to go check it out. Go take a yeah. take a read. The history of how we played at um, WordPress.com.
1: <laughs> right? Yes, that's exactly it.
0: So let's let's talk about your blog for a minute, because going back to your very first blog post that I found, so you can correct me if I if I did not dig up the right one. It was a history of the N64, and it was posted on Medium. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I originally uh, did that because I, I didn't want to try and start up a blog and everything. And uh, that article is now, almost, uh, at the time of this release, almost five years old. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Because wow. I did it for the uh, 20th anniversary of the N64. I wanted to do a revised version this year, try to talk to more people. But mm-hmm. time, is a, time is a fickle thing. Uh, it is. In in the adult world. So, uh, yeah, that was the first time that I really got serious about things. Like, I set a deadline. I was like, I'm doing this on the date that it was released in Japan, and I'm going to uh, contact these people. I got the the lead architect and uh, several of the, the team members, and I dug up some stuff that you can't even get on the internet anymore. Uh, it, it was a very... Uh, is a deep dive and the kind of thing I like to do uh, to mm. like really explore a subject and try to find the story. I, I did like the, the story in this one is uh, a bit tangential. Uh, it starts off with uh, technology that's technically not related to the N64, but it kind of influences what uh what happens so i i feel like i found something i found those little threads that tied everything the, together yeah. so why the n64 why did why was that your uh, focal
0: point at the time it was my first console so yeah.
1: oh fine
0: i wanted to assume as much yeah. but i you know <laughs> I wanted I wanted to hear it straight
2: from you. Yeah, so it, uh, there's that aspect.
1: <laughs> we never want to assume. Either.
2: There's that aspect, and then also there's the aspect which has uh, plagued many people who want to uh, try and tell the story of uh, video game consoles is that most of them are made in Japan. Uh, but in this case, the technology was made in North America, so I could actually talk to people about this. Mm-hmm um oh, yeah there's been though. yeah there have been like four comprehensive histories of the xbox uh there's one by dean takahashi that was a, a printed I guess book i didn't realize there and, were that many yeah then uh russell de maria uh made game of x and then david craddock made a, a big long read on uh the xbox and so it, they keep retelling the story because there are people they can access and you know, there there's and it's interesting really old in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think it's definitely overtold, uh, but it's, 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 it is exciting. The console stories tend to be more exciting, more dramatic, you know, and uh, I, I get it. But at the same time, there, there is at least one more you could talk about. Uh, I mean, there's also, you know, the Atari consoles and everything, but, Uh, You know, the N64 was just a very interesting project and kind of was also the foundation in a lot of ways of modern hype culture. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, they really they really pushed, you know, like everything that they were doing and put like an ultra before it or the dream team and all this sort of stuff. Oh, my
1: God. I don't know that I ever really thought about that. Yes, I had one. And I'm like trying to think back now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't read uh, video game magazines at the time. I was very much out of this, but the the N64 you didn't have
1: to rely on those for your
2: cheats or your. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, I, I I just played the game as, as it was, but you know the, yeah. but I I still really think that N64 has plenty of games worth experiencing. Uh, but the what was really interesting to me about it was the development environment, especially no no one has very well documented it either you know this thing with the the, with sgi and how they would uh provide kind of an interface board to go into their typical computers it was yeah it was a there are a lot of very interesting details that i still need to dig more into but reading that article will give you a very broad look at the aspects of n64 development
0: yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's really interesting stuff. While we're on the subject of the 64, I, I'm pretty sure I read this correctly. Your favorite game was Hydro Thunder?
2: Well, uh, on, in the arcade. Oh, in the arcade. So not the 64. No, I, I didn't even know that there was a 64 version back in the day. I probably would have bought it. Uh. <laughs> so what's your favorite N64 game? N64, probably Majora's Mask. I was just really, really struck with that when I first played it. (laughs) Uh,
0: So you know, I feel like that one's criminally underrated as far as Zelda games go.
2: Yeah, the 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 debate of underrated is uh, is an overrated debate. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I tend to like games that I tend to like mainstream stuff, but uh, but stuff that will at least give you something to think about. The game that made me want to, like, be involved with games is Half-Life 2. Super mainstream game. It's uh, not like yeah. it's, it's a, a hidden classic or anything. But it really, it, 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 it hit me in a way that mm. I was just like, wow, this, this is what games are. This is what they can be. So that's uh-huh. why I, uh, I pursued a game development degree. But, uh, you know, the, the fruits of that have not quite taken root yet.
1: Not yet. It's tough. <laughs> it's
0: tough. So, Gaming Alexandria, that's another uh, name that popped up as I was looking at How did you get involved with uh, that group?
2: It was actually through an, another group uh, that was a- active for a little while. There is this guy, uh, still around, I, I, sh- I shouldn't say was, uh, named <laughs> Stefan Ganser. He is a Swedish man who is v- obsessively interested in Sunsoft, the uh, developer oh, wow. yeah. from back oh, in the day. Okay, so, he has yeah. been uh, researching Sunsoft. Uh, he's He's getting ready, I think, uh, now to uh, start releasing some of his work in the form of ca- of uh, digital magazines. Um, and uh, he had this site called VGArc, which was, I, I think, kind of a, a, s- a subdomain of Gaming Alexandria, because Stefan had done the, the, f- the web code for Gaming Alexandria. So eventually he was like, I'm going to wrap this one up. You can... Join us over at Gaming Alexandria. Uh, And I kind of became the the resident history man over there. I was the guy who was like, you know, not just talking about the scans and uh, all the great, great things that we do, the dumps and all this stuff. I, I love Getting an opportunity to help share all these things, but I was the kind of guy looking for at the stories and uh, clearing up misconceptions. Um, actually, you know that kind of thing. Uh,
1: <laughs> that guy.
2: Yes, I, I fully accept my role as this. Even on uh, the video game newsroom time machine, I serve as the Department of Corrections. Uh, so uh, I
1: don't. I, I'd go the other. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds more fun, at least. <laughs>
2: yeah. So they. So, Gaming Alexandria is just a general game preservation site, and uh, we try to put, we post historical articles. Main uh, brunt of everything is scans, magazine scans, uh, video game cover scans, uh, manuals, carts, all this stuff. We're doing, you know, back in the day, Moby Games used to have kind of a repository of this stuff, uh, but they used to put watermarks on it. <laughs> you, yeah. Anybody remember when Moby Games put watermarks on everything? I do. But- uh, <laughs> Uh, they're still still around still a great resource uh, and they stopped doing the watermark thing but there Uh. there was kind of an obsession with like saying I put the work in to scan this so you must know that I I did this and you cannot use it for for any purposes other than looking at it we are (laughs) very much a kind of freedom of information kind of uh, organization Mm -hmm. I guess we really just want to share these things we want to have them available in high quality Is that the we we don't believe digital as the be all end all of preservation, but mm. we are very intent on people having the resources available to tell these stories or just enjoy and relive uh aspects of their childhood and everything we are we our mission is game preservation, and that just means everything that you think it means, yeah.
0: I think it would be wonderful to just see an old video game manual for like an old NES game mm. that connects back to a game that you remember playing time and again. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't tell you what half of them look like anymore. <laughs> but to see it now would be, you know, it'd take me back. It would be like my own little time machine.
2: Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we've organized everything. So that it's easily searchable and all that. I know I'm trying to sound like a sales pitch right now, but they, you know, just, <laughs> Go just check it the, <laughs> just just it out. just check it out, yeah, yeah. If you are if you are interested in in ephemera, as we like to say, yeah. then yeah, ch- check out Gaming Alexandria because we have. So many things <laughs> that we to be
1: really certain though, because like you, that that memory might be better what you're holding on to too. <laughs> like I've I've ruined some for myself where I was like, should have just let this
2: be. How hey, the reality good, and the nostalgia <laughs> are intertwined, yeah. and I think <laughs> yeah. that it is usually positive to uh, yes to get get a perspective on your past. Sure, for sure.
0: So we, we kind of glossed over this uh, a moment ago with the documentaries, but I did want to ask, are you a fan of any of the uh, other video game documentaries that have come out <laughs> over the last couple of years, uh, like high score console wars? Oh man, it's uh, a, do you y- feel like any of them have actually done the work proper?
2: Well, you know, there are different priorities in documentaries versus an examination of history. Uh, and, we uh it, alex is included in this uh we have come together to like we we for a while we were doing ba- basically video game documentary viewing parties uh so we we viewed most of them <laughs> so uh, as far as i could find like uh all these these various ones there were plenty done in like the early 2000s uh, some some by g4 like discovery channel and all this sort of stuff uh the, I mean, the fundamental problem with most of these uh, documentaries, especially the ones in the 2000s, is they are Kentian ideology, <laughs> which, which is a, a fancy term for saying that they read the ultimate history of video games, and they did not need to understand anything more than what was in that book. Uh, mm. Steve, it, this book was written in 2001 by Steve Kent. He was a video game journalist Uh, and it is a very broad and um, sometimes very interesting look at video game history, but it has become kind of the de facto text and there are plenty of just blatant errors, things like dates that are just wrong uh, and stories that are just completely fictional. Um, and, And, you know, I don't, I don't blame him too much on that but there there have been better works since then and people just gravitate to kent because of the way that he wrote uh that book it's extremely accessible
1: mm-hmm. uh
2: he's doing a, a volume that a, a sequel volume basically this year so that's probably going to get a good amount of traction and everything. Okay. but yeah there there there's definitely been no video game documentary that has wowed me um Like, I can recommend a couple that are a bit more interesting. Uh, There was, uh, by CBC, the Canadian uh, broadcasting company, they put out a series called The Artists. Um, It's a bit hard to view uh, because you have to kind of... You don't have to live in Canada, but there's kind of restrictions on how you can view this. Uh, So a
1: VPN, maybe.
2: Yeah, it's not... No, you don't need the VPN, but it's just... Oh, you don't? No, it's, oh, okay. it, there's just restrictions. Um, okay. it, it's a bit hard to explain. I'm not going to get into a technical thing about proprietary <laughs> streaming uh, software <laughs> on, on on this. But they uh, they did a series, just kind of mini-docs on like uh, art, people in the video game industry who really kind of looked at things as artistry and tried to uh, create something... Uh, greater out of it um and what's what's another one that might be it (laughs) that might be (laughs) the only one that i can like really recommend um and well okay Uh, and then i can recommend the youtube people so you don't have to go to the mainstream uh documentaries like that gaming historian uh norm norm's a friend of mine he he does good stuff uh wrestling with gaming um
1: I feel like there was another one you were watching well so it, norman know? was
0: uh, the one that he was actually talking i was trying to get him on the show too mm. <laughs> oh okay he, he's a busy man in
2: grad school that's uh, that's what he told me he yeah. said
0: uh school's uh, taking a lot of his time right
2: now so maybe right, grad school yeah so uh name, and uh historic nerd is another one um genovi uh there there are a couple people who are like really doing interesting dives into unusual topics uh, so mm-hmm. I can recommend that stuff, um, and uh, the you know the the th- the three from last time. It's pretty much the same thing as Alex. We even put together a on my blog a, a cadre of people reviewed high score, and we were all just like, "What is this? Why does why is it this way?" Uh, it yeah, I, I'll let my words speak for themselves over there. But it it was baffling in many ways. Oh.
0: Yeah, we actually spoke about it when it came out and for us, I guess not really knowing a lot of the gaming history it was like, oh, okay, so there's some interesting stuff in here, but we also did notice I guess for us it felt rushed. Like there was yeah, no just substance. Felt very
1: superficial, like here's very surface of things that happened, didn't like there wasn't any it didn't break any news yeah. to me. It had, had interesting to topics. It was yeah. it
2: was unusual in the sense that they did try to cover different angles and I think that's mm-hmm. probably your best bet if you want to be a historian uh, in in this uh, field with big air quotes around it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just not told well as someone who understands visual storytelling and everything. It was yeah, that was
1: it did feel I don't
2: know, yeah. it did feel kind of all over the yeah, place. Scatter brains. Like Console Wars was yeah. fine. Uh it's about what you can expect from the book. The book is a bit sensationalized in, in some ways. Uh, but I, I I appreciated it. Uh I guess I can recommend that. Uh it's just it is very tailored to a specific perspective and you really need to understand that if you're going to start saying that things were this way based on this documentary that's that's the thing if you're getting into historical discourse you need to do more than just read books or documentaries because there really is not a lot of very good scholarship on this stuff because it's very new you know that's why i put quotes around field and mm-hmm. I would even
1: say, for like places like Netflix and stuff like that, they still want it to be more entertaining.
2: I do, so I still didn't think I scored hit that hit that mark, but that I you know, I leave that to the, I leave that to my words that I've said already. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, yeah.
2: I think that there,
1: I tried, and I'm yeah. like, I don't know who I'm trying to defend. It doesn't matter. Yeah. To me. <laughs> but you know, I,
2: I'm hoping that uh, you know, with something like our Arcade Dreams, we can, even though it's not specifically about video games, we can set a bar. In terms of what what you should expect, and I think there are plenty of independent game researchers out there who you they who would consult on any of this stuff and make it so that it doesn't come out as an embarrassment, as you know, like playing with power. did. <laughs> it's funny because I got Chris Kohler, who uh, is also a friend of mine, um, but they they really messed up some stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: fascinating
2: to hear right?
0: <laughs> that you're you're uh, you, you pick it out i mean that that would have to be hard to watch one of these and be like oh, what my God, no I no that's wrong yeah. that's absolutely wrong.
2: I, I mean i try to in the in the first place to just take things as they are i do not mm. try to you know I, d- I don't sit there with the notepad. Scribbling everything out, right. rolling and, your eyes constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, every every little mistake that's not it's not going to bother me that much. Like, oh, they did the Pac-Man pizza thing. It's like, okay, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I'm even helping with the the official <laughs> Pac-Man book, uh, so I can I can say that I have a, a bit more knowledge on the on the pizza thing than than many people. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, they, so I errors in themselves aren't the problem. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing of like, if like a book adaptation or a movie adaptation of a book. It's like you, you, mm-hmm. you could sit there and see every little change or you could just take it as it is. And it's like and then reevaluate. And it's like, oh, did they leave out this characterization because they uh, decided that this mm-hmm. wasn't important and whatnot? So that's that's how I generally take these things. I do not go into it with a vendetta of, you know, just scraping apart uh all the right. all the yeah. terrible aspects um which so- sometimes is terrible sometimes it's just in inoffensive but you know so that i i try to view things on multiple levels
1: with that good right. lens now that's a good way to do it to try to take each medium for what they're trying to do in that moment mm-hmm. and then if it's egregiously wrong yeah maybe say something <laughs> Uh, I've
0: got uh, one more question, and I don't know if Lace might have anything, but um, and I don't even know if you'll know this specifically, but two questions about uh, Arcade Dreams that kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. One, do you have an idea um, how it will be presented if they're doing it as like one long documentary or segments? And two, maybe when we might see it.
2: Uh, Well, the uh, general release date is going to be summer 2022. Uh, so we're basically going to r- wrap up filming this year and then it's going to nice. be uh, post-production uh, through 2022 until uh, they're ready to release it. I think they had a vague thing on the Kickstarter June, but you know, that's just kind of a, but it is going to be 2022 as, as far as I can tell, you know, we're starting to get over the, the COVID restrictions and everything. They've been shooting mm-hmm. arcade stuff while there's still been uh, restrictions, like a big one opened in Jersey city and, um, so they've shot some interesting footage and done kind of demo reels and things. And the yeah. format of it is going to be four episodes. And the okay. uh, the episodes are going to be uh, from the beginning of the arcades industry up until uh, World War II, and then from po- post-World War II uh, through to the emergence of video games, so, uh, which is the very exciting electromechanical era. That's how... That's the... The the technical the term for it, <laughs>
1: Hard
2: yeah, uh, it's it's called games get groovy is the title for it. Because uh, you know it's uh, you get through the sixties and you, and you know that's where that's where you get your periscope <laughs> and everything. So that there you go. <laughs> uh, Not that we found a working model yet, but that's a that's a different yeah, story. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah. The, um, then there's uh, the third episode, which is going to be the golden age of the arcade video games. Uh, you know, covering all all the all the high flying things. You know, the things that most people are going to be excited about. But hopefully, they will follow us along uh, for the journey through these uh, antiques and the where a lot of concepts of uh, early arcade video games come from. So, and that will go up to uh, basically the the tw- the 2000s, and then from the 2000s to today. And uh, you know that. I feel like sometimes a lot of documentaries are like, you know, what's happening today? And it's not extremely interesting. It's just, you know, Mm -hmm. I I came here to see what it was. You know, I'm watching this documentary on Toyota or something, and I don't want to see their modern day manufacturing plant. That's not interesting. Uh,
1: (laughs) Give me like 30 years and then I'll care about
2: that. Yeah. The. But in this case, there are uh, very interesting, exciting things happening in the arcade. Uh, there's quite a few pinball companies running around, which you may you may not know if you don't go to some of these bars that have these things. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. Stern Pinball. There's also Spooky Pinball up in Wisconsin uh, that have done some very interesting things. There, right by me, there is... Uh, arcade that has a well bar, you know a, a bar focused arcade uh, you can you can't say barcade that's trademarked uh, but uh, uh we,
1: you know
2: they, a, 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 bar, a bar with an arcade whatever taverncade <laughs> we, whatever term you want to use but I'm derailing but, it yeah. as you were <laughs> uh, they they have a interesting table over there called uh, total nuclear annihilation which is just like Probably the favorite, my favorite pinball machine I've ever played. It's it's pretty simple as far as uh, these things go. There's no elaborate toys on it or anything, but it's just like, uh, it, it's 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 pretty it's pretty nice. So there's a shout out to the guys at Spooky Pinball. Uh, so there so there is a lot of potential for an act like a real arcade revival, not just a uh, you know. Talk about and and financial people trying to get you excited about these things. So I think that the uh, the modern day episode is actually going to be pretty exciting too, to see like mm-hmm. what what are what's going on in the arcade today and where you can go and you know it, I mean it's not going to be a travel log or anything but it, it, it just you know maybe
1: the, one day
2: <laughs> I, I did uh, on our on our latest shoot I did uh, I filmed a vlog uh, of kind of some of the preliminary shoot stuff that they, we were doing. Uh, so they were here in Chicago in, uh, in June. And then, uh, we're going to come back here in September and, uh, finish up the, the shooting here, talk to the people who are in the local area, which are not that many anymore. You know, every, the coin op industry was centered in Chicago. I don't know if a lot of people know this. Um, even people in Chicago don't tend to know this because they, they, none of the.
1: I'm a transplant, so I don't claim to really know. Yeah,
2: anything. so they, so <laughs> so it's an interesting opportunity to be here, uh, mm-hmm. and kind of kind of soak up that legacy as as little as there is still remaining, uh, and you know just be able to, uh, to communicate something that not lot not a lot of people know, you know. Chicago was the center of the meatpacking industry. That's what I learned in school, but also mm-hmm. the center of the arcade industry. Oh,
1: definitely fascinating. Definitely
2: more interesting that way. Lace, you got anything else you want to ask this man?
1: I don't. This Such man. a wealth of knowledge. Just kind of anything I want <laughs> to ask I just slurge uh, organically. <laughs> I, just,
2: I just go on yeah. and, just, uh, you know I, I am, know, I am. I am. I'm somebody who, well, I've been described as an encyclopedia uh and i don't know if that's i don't even know if that's accurate i would
1: cling to that because i'm known as the person who never remembers anything (laughs) lord as much as she tries as much as she tries there's something wrong up here there's something wrong but it's okay the pictures are still there in my head i just may not know how to articulate it anymore old lady brain (laughs) (laughs) Well, no thank you so much thank you this is fascinating very interesting i'm sure steven's gonna have some links below but is there anywhere we should follow you on the socials to keep apprised of all of these fun projects going on
2: at game research underscore e on twitter also at our lost arcade on twitter where i do some arcade deep dives as well that are not video game yeah. specific uh and also i run the arcade dreams uh social media I can't remember off the top of my head if it's at arcade dreams doc or at arcade documentary I, c- I cannot remember but that's arcade rare. documentary do- where,
1: where did we put the dot yeah <laughs> arcade
2: documentarycom is where you can uh, check all the things that are going on with arcade dreams the history of how we play wordpresscom uh, where I do my blog which is like super nerdy if, it like if you want to get a video game history that's where you go but if you want to have fun yeah. don't go there Uh <laughs> <laughs> and
1: what if that is your you're fine
2: i mean right. it is for me but i'm own, i'm right? i'm that strange man uh then gamingalexandria.com if you want to uh find resources to uh the world of retro video games and uh join our discord most especially the, the, we're, we're promoting this across like all <laughs> every podcast that we're on we have to mention this discord because it's really it's like collection of so many people you can find norm there you can find hubs founder of gaming alexandria there uh nate lockhart of the memory machine uh kevin bunch of atari archive kate willard of a critical hit uh kelsey lewin of pink gorilla games and the video game history foundation i'm sure one of these names will maybe connect with somebody so that's why yeah we we have a community there (laughs) and i i encourage you guys uh to come along too if you're if you're discord people
1: I do very little I'm I'm, I'm, don't, bad with it. I'm one of those that I poke in once in a while and I'll say something and then I'll forget for like a month or two or something I'm one of those and
2: also can find me on, uh, on the video game uh, vi- newsroom time machine uh, giving corrections to uh, an American man who lives in Germany uh, <laughs> and the, yeah. I, I you know I, I may seem like I'm a very busy person but these things like all happen like once a month so <laughs>
1: that's still quite a bit though so hats off to you man for continuing to create being interested and giving us all of this fun stuff for us to be able to look back on and get it right yep right?
2: and I, i'm i'm it's here nice. if you ever if you ever need a little little extra push on something if you're like i'm not sure about this then send me a question and that goes to all the viewers or listeners go, and similar. not just Did you hear that yep i am uh, i'm just been the guy that people go to i i you know i need to make my name for my myself at some point but in the meantime what? i am just kind of a guy who can do little research projects in the in the meantime
0: see for for every history uh piece that i do from here on out i might just send it to you and be like hey read over this and tell me if it's accurate. <laughs> No, i'm
2: totally <laughs> careful to open that door man. totally down for that <laughs>
0: We'll have to join the Discord too because uh, you can tell all your friends and be like, "Hey, uh, yeah, go over here, and we'll, right? we'll get them all involved." Yeah, <laughs>
2: uh, plenty of interesting people. Got to be a punk and ya, and Most is of them what are saying, <laughs> and many of them are still involved with, uh, you know, modern day gaming. You know, we're all we're, we we like games. They are mm-hmm. they are interesting okay. to us, and so you know that that's I, I appreciate this podcast. For not not wasting the uh, listeners' time, which I think many uh, gaming podcasts do sometimes.
0: Oh well, thank you. Aww, thank you.
2: <laughs> we try thank to be entertaining you. and
0: informative, if if at all possible.
1: it's best I can, you know. I like to have fun, and mm-hmm. you get to hang out with your best friend. Life's good. Hell yeah. Life is good. Life is well, good. Well, thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. And just in case we forgot to mention up at the top of the show, guys. That's our season. Forgot oh, to, I man. don't know if I did that at the beginning of the show or not, but that is our show for the summer. So don't forget about us, though. You can still hit us up sometime during the little break over on Twitter at Super Mega Crash or still send an email over to supermegacrash@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram via the weekly icon. Art. Stephen puts time and love into you. Mm-hmm. The last one for the season. And you can, of course, even go to patreon.com forward slash pencil and paper productions to support the show. You can tell your friends to find the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network or just search Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, and even youtube.com forward slash pencil and paper productions. Thank you so much for listening. I am Lisa Finley.
0: And I am Stephen White. Don't forget for the next 5 weeks. We will have content for you.
1: Ah, yes. So, yes. We're yes. not going to forget about you. But don't but don't forget siblings until then.
0: Game on. has been a pencil and paper podcast network production